Sustainable, the podcast, is listened to in 20 countries over five continents and features inspiring interviews with leaders of sustainable practices. With your host, Tabby Jane, CEO and founder of EarthSelf, creating a global movement to educate leaders and organizations on the transformative power of nature-centered business. In episode 60, I spoke with Robert Eden, co-owner of Chateau Maurice, a biodynamic wine estate in the south of France and the home of the world's first carbon-neutral hemp brick wine cellar, to find out more about the power of biodynamic farming and how nature impacts Robert's business model. Today, I'm speaking to Marla Bergener. Marla Bergener holds a master's degree in interactive journalism and was trained as a multimedia editor at the Agent France Press in Washington, D.C., She also holds a Human Rights Certificate from Geneva University and a Sustainability Certificate from IMD Lausanne. Hired by the World Economic Forum in 2002, Marla created the first blog ever for a non-profit organisation. She then went on to develop a women's portal for the magazine Feminina. As an expert in the dynamics between traditional media and new media, Marla also creates viral e-campaigns to promote her own local TV channel show and has worked on National Swiss Radio. In 2012, Marla founded GreenGoWeb.com, a startup which develops a tool to create a culture of sustainability amongst employees in big companies. GreenGoWeb is a B Corp certified and is now helping multinationals embed UN Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, in their operations. Welcome, Marla. It's great to have you on Sustainable Today. Thank you very much, Tabby. I'm happy to be with you. So your organisation develops gamification for multinationals to help create green teams. I mean, how did this idea come about? Um, This idea came about in 2011 when I was studying at IMD. Um, I was taking a a sustainability course and I thought that I was going to you know, offer my web expertise in this field, being in Geneva, Switzerland. And what happened was Fukushima. So we were in the, in the class with our, our iPads and we saw Fukushima happen live. And I was sitting with all these CSR uh, directors, sustainability directors from major, major companies. We're talking Procter & Gamble, we're talking Walmart, Nokia. And I realized they were not feeling quite comfortable. And I thought, you know, maybe they all have something like Fukushima in their backyard. They all have something that they're hiding or that so instead of tackling sustainability from like sending your old phones to africa what if we were what if we were to start with people people in the company what if we were to give people in the company a tool to act on their values to make a difference on a daily basis so this was the um, the idea like let's let's show people who are working eight hours a day in a company that they can have a positive impact. Yeah, I love that. So then can you tell us a bit about the gamification techniques that you use, why they're important and what makes them unique? So at the time, back in 2011, it took us a year and a half of research and development to get this right. And I thought, because people were not really interested in saving resources at work, Um, I thought, what if it was fun? You know, what if you make it fun? What if you put them in teams and make it like a race 
and give them points, you know, rewards. And these rewards would translate into real life. Like maybe you get a coffee, maybe you get a, um, you can send some money to a foundation. Maybe you can go out for dinner with your colleagues. And then I thought this is not enough. So the end user, the participant takes action. And I thought they should not be, they should not enter data. They should do things right away to change their behaviors. So we made it like a challenge-based game. So you take a challenge. For example, uh, reuse a cup once today. That's something we can all do. Or we can bring a bottle, or we can stop using plastic bottles and bring you know, a mug, for example. So very simple challenges. So people take action, they get the reward, they get points in the app to keep them interested uh, with different levels. So it keeps them engaged. But then behind the app and the fun, these, met, these actions translate into certified statistics, into real metrics, into CO2 savings, water savings, energy savings. And we measure the uh, reduced consumption. So the company then has also, um, if, if it's a small company and they don't have a, a CSR kind of strategy, it gives them an online CSR campaign and, and, a, and they can put all the data in their annual report. And if it's a bigger company where they already have sustainability in place, it gives them metrics, you know, to show before and after. It's a transition. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of transition tool, change management. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it because, I mean, when you're talking about this, I sit and think, you know, it's like I I have like Google Fitbit on my phone and I set my targets there and, you know, I'll find myself going for a walk just to make sure that I meet my targets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's my health. <laughs> and you're talking about the exact same thing. It's like go and do X, Y and Z and you'll get points. And, you know, I, I really enjoy that. You know, I mean, the, the whole thing of how do I create it and build it up? And I, what I love is you're creating stats behind it as well that then translates of here's the fun part in the game and here's the data that you can use to show what impacts actually happening yeah what happened is that we were the pioneer in applying gamification to sustainable development and later two i mean roughly two three years later uh, all the health app came out and it's a bit of the same concept as you were saying you know oh i'm gonna make sure i, I go for a walk today to meet my target my, my target and but when we started, um, it was unheard of, and all, the whole metrics part then helped you know sustainability directors um, strengthen their reports. But today, it's also aligned with the SDGs, the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Mm. So how how do you align them with the SDGs? Because that's the part that really fascinates me about this. So we align them with. Um, I don't mean to go into too many details about SDGs, but SDG 12.1, for example, which is helping multinational better report. Mm -hmm. This is one. Then there's the one on climate change, you know, helping, um, you know, reduce the resources use and more uh, sustainable consumption. And what we're looking at and hoping to achieve is um, SDG 12.B, which is about sustainable tourism. Mm -hmm. So helping people, you know, it's like, yeah, provide a tool that measures and and engage people to become more sustainable and in the tourism industry. 
yeah and 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 also when it's 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 talking about it's like it's contributing to the SDGs and it's also by allowing people to show the the water savings the energy savings and get all the certified stats it can help them show where they're meeting the other sustainable development goals at the same time exactly Awesome. So then one of the things that I, I love is, you know, you say you're on a mission to reduce the CO2 footprint through collaborative participation. So how does gamification support a process, not just of reducing the CO2 footprint, but collaborative participation? Well, <clears throat> it breaks the silo effect. We're all overwhelmed when it comes to to, to climate change, we receive mixed messages. One day the planet is going to explode. The other day you have Trump saying it's an oaks. So we're all kind of confused. And breaking the silo effect by showing people that one small action times your team, times your department, times your friend, times your network has a big impact. Um, this is where it fosters collective action. People then understand they're not alone you know, the resources you're wasting at work are the same you're wasting in your town. You know, these are the resources your children will be missing. When you're on holidays, uh, the water you're wasting because you, I mean, it's the same water you will be missing in, 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 in 25 years. So it's just showing people that we're, we're part of a, an ecosystem that is global. I mean, we have only one planet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love what you said. It, it breaks a silo on climate change, because I think that's part of the reason that people don't particularly want to even acknowledge climate change, because it's it's so confusing. And so many people are saying different things and changing opinions that, you know, I even find it exhausting. And it it's it's what I hear you say is the whole point of engaging in a collaborative process is it's just about the action. You know, let's let, let's not talk about whether it's happening, whether it's not, what this means, what the implications are. Let's just take action because we know that something needs to be changed. Exactly. And where the gamification is very powerful is that if, if you give people, I mean, just the choice of actions, you know, a set of challenges, we can all do something at one point. And the app is not based on guilt. It's not judging you. You don't have to contribute. But it's just showing you that this little action you took today, for example, you took a shower instead of a bath, you just saved times your friend, times your team. You know, you just saved an Olympic pool by the end of the year. Mm. And this is this is real. This is tangible. And once people see that, not only it's it goes beyond raising awareness. It's it's really changing habits mm. there's no going back once you realize this there's no going back yeah and i think what I, what, I, what i love about what you're doing here is there's so many times that i hear people saying oh but i'm not doing enough but i'm not doing enough and you know it's, it's really easy when you're you're thinking about climate change sustainability to end up in a negative cycle where you you almost lose hope that change is possible and you're able to say no, but do it, look, and then we can show you this impact. So in a way, you're you're showing people just how much they are doing and focusing on the positive rather than, you know, the negative. It's 100% uh, based on the positive. Every action is rewarded and there's no guilt, there's no bad points, there's no... We, we believe, I mean, we live in the 21st century. We have to take planes. We have to drive. We, I mean, come on. We're not, I'm not telling people to go back to the, you know, cave, being a caveman or anything, which is, but I'm telling people 
regardless of how you live your life and what you have to do, there are so many little actions you can take that have a big impact. We don't realize, but when we launched in a major company in Switzerland, the the people were very surprised. You know, they started taking public transport, thinking it was going to be huge, and 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 it wasn't. The 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 biggest impact was a meat-free meal, mm. which is very simple. I mean, we can all have pasta instead of a steak once in a while, right? Yeah. I'm not telling people what to do, become vegan or, you know, ride your bike. No, just do whatever, but just be aware that, you know, just it raises awareness that we all can take little actions yeah and I, I think it's as you say the more that you see that what you're doing is having an impact then the better that you feel you know and that's creating a chemical process in the brain that goes I want to do that again because it feels good exactly exactly it's positive reinforcement and when, when you're trying to get people engaged and I'm, I'm talking again you know four years ago uh, you're trying to engage people on something they're not really aware of. They don't really need it. Mm. Um, the, so you have to, 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 you know, motivate them and, and show them that, oh, my action times all my friends equals to a plane flying from Berlin to London. Mm. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. But it's the truth. It's tangible. It's real. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's awesome. So why is it so important that organizations begin to lead by example when it comes to sustainable development? Mm, I believe there's no sustainable development without the people in the company being sustainable themselves. So these organizations have been conducting, practicing business for decades now in a way that was in line with, you know, overconsumption and, you know, us buying all these things we don't really need and, and so on. And that, that was the way, and I don't blame them, but I think today is the day to um, show, yeah, make change happen, you know. And if they're not willing to transition in terms of the product they're doing or manufacturing, and then let's have the people inside this company become best ambassadors let's have these people be proud of what they do because the company is giving them a tool to act on their values and have a positive impact for the environment for their children for themselves and even you know it, it, it links back to the health because at one point if you take the stairs instead of the elevator the reward is for you directly mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and I think that's a great example because I know that the minute that I read that, I was like, oh, I'll take the stairs from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so then what is the, the, the philosophy and the practices that you um, yourself adopt within Green Goal Web that helps you create that culture of sustainability when it comes to the, the people and the company? So first of all, from the very beginning, we were... Um, operating in a very lean and green manner. So we use the lean startup approach, which is making more with less. Mm. So that was one thing. Then we we were always, we're not a paper-free office. Mm -hmm. 
But we're very careful. We buy recycled paper when we have to print. We use green energy. We have one computer each. We don't um, let our we don't let the computers plugged during the weekend. We so to begin with, there's a, just common sense, you know, little actions that we do. Then on the more philosophical kind of um, perspective, we don't. Yeah, we avoid waste. So we don't even have an office. We work um, in, a, in a kind of network and we work in a nom- nomad kind of uh, office. So we move. We work pretty much, we go close to our, our clients. Mm-hmm. We operate and, and work very close to where we produce. And we decided to take the B Corp certification, which is a, a very thorough assessment. Um, and we scored pretty high and we realized that our sustainability was really in line directly with, for example, um, our HR, meaning the wages between the highest paid and the lowest paid are very, the, the difference is not a lot. We're very sustainable in, in that sense and that, uh, my colleagues, um, you know, we look at just at personal development a lot and so we're also tackling i am tackling sustainability from a human um resource perspective and this is one of our strengths yeah no i like that and who do you most admire and why then marla Ooh, i (laughs) i i like um the artist the uh, austrian artist hundert wasser he was a painter and um, and uh, and an architect, and his most famous works are in Vienna. And he he was he decided that humans are not meant to live in like square um, flats. That the flat should be uneven, so mm. it would allow us to think that we're not meant to be in these squares. These squares were built for machines, for your um, washer, for your washing machine, and that the human should be more free, that the human spirit can only think when it's in movement. So his philosophy is very interesting. His work is also very interesting in the sense that he he was an activist and, and He's the one who did the, that amazing painting where it says, you are a guest of nature, behave, mm-hmm. which I love. And also he died in 2000. And when he was buried, he's one of the first who decided to be planted as a tree. Nice. So his philosophy is very strong. I like, I like his work. That's- <laughs> I'm going to have to go and check him out. I've never heard of him before. I'll send you the link. Perfect. Awesome. And I, I, I will put it in the blog post as well um, with the show notes so that if anybody um, wants to, to follow up from that, it, it will be in the show notes. So then, as we are talking about, you are a guest of nature, behave. What is one of your most favourite memories of a time or place in nature and why, Marla? <clears throat> I'm, I'm very lucky. I was born in um, Valais, which is Valise in Switzerland, which is home to the most famous um, ski resorts. We're talking Verbier, we're talking Montana, we're talking Zermatt, this region. And 
when I was with my grandfather, when I was four or five, I remember he took me to the vineyards and he gave me that love of the land mm. and that love of nature and that sense that we belong to nature and that <clears throat> not the opposite, that we should respect the earth, that we should respect our environment and preserve it. And that we should, uh, so he really gave me that, that love of Valais and this land. It's a, it's a very beautiful and difficult land because, you know, we're talking high mountains, we're talking a remote valley, we're talking, but it offers beautiful landscape, amazing wines. Mm. <laughs> so I guess that, that's my night. Yeah. What I remember. Yeah, the most. and I, I kind of, I'm, I'm glad that you've talked about valet here because I, I kind of want to go into what we were talking about before we start the conversation. You know, because that was kind of like really impactful for me to, to kind of hear about it. And you know, you were, you were talking about how it's, it's really obvious that the, the seasons and the climate is changing in valley. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Well, we know that the highest peaks on Earth are the most affected by global warming. We're talking Peru, we're talking Switzerland, and so on. In Switzerland, we've seen now a winter with no snow or very little. In April, they have to water the, you know, the 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 the, the vineyards and the and the the trees, which is unheard of. Usually, you know, the snow melts. And it takes care of itself. And then suddenly in April, it's 25 degrees. So everything's blooming and so on. And right now, uh, as we speak, it's been freezing for three nights. And they just lost 40%. The producers just lost 40% of all the, the wine yards. It's lost. It's gone. They were crying on the radio this morning and... They were asked, you know, if it was global warming and uh, they said, you know, our country, the government is going to have to look into it to define, to assess whether we need special insurances. Do we need to create new insurances for global warming? Because it's getting worse and worse. So we're seeing a drastic change. We're seeing, for example, during the Christmas, um, the, ho the holidays where usually people come skiing, they were playing golf wearing t-shirts. I mean, we're also seeing a change in the sense that we cannot count on the snow anymore. We have to diversify our, our services and activities. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of really brings it home when, you know, you, you, you hear somebody like you talking about this and it's, it's interesting because normally when I interview people, I um, just ask them about their favorite memories and how they inspire their, their commitment to sustainability. But I kind of want to flip the question a little bit. So it's like, you've had this love of the land that's been instilled into you through your grandfather from a very, very young age. And then all of a sudden, it's like now you're seeing that the, the, the landscape is changing, the land is changing, and, you know, the vineyards that you were taught to appreciate, 40% of them have been wiped out. So how does this experience of growing up with a deep appreciation for the land and then seeing the changes that's happening into it, how does that impact your commitment towards sustainability? Well, it, 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 it was strong to begin with, but um, it, it, of course, there's a bit of a disappointment and sadness. And you're thinking, well, 
if if the climate is going crazy and what can I do about it? I'm like I'm like everyone else. I'm not better. I'm not. But on the other hand, because I created the app, the gamification, all that work, I'm thinking the time is now. I mean, I'm also happy that you know the work is is done and the and that I can actually contribute and and show people. But um, I have to say it it's 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 saddening, but. On the other hand, I mean, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to to all work together. This is where it comes back to the collective, you know, action. I mean, we have to understand we're part of one system, and we all have to, we we can all take action. We don't have to, but we can. Yeah, yeah, and I I think it's 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 clear from hearing you talk that you know all of this is just just making you even more committed to the action that you've chosen in terms of helping to make a difference. Yeah, exactly. So then, what is the one thing that you want people to take away from our conversation today, then, Marla? Well, I think you know today sustainability is not it's no longer about recycling all the stuff we made and um i think sustainability today comes from us we have to act responsibly uh we have to keep this collective picture in mind we have to um make our organizations more sustainable by acting more sustainably ourselves it doesn't matter if I'm home, if I'm at work, if I'm on the road, if I'm on holidays. We need to take action on the day, I mean, on an individual level, but with this collective impact in mind. Because you can no longer wait for your company to put in place a transition program. It, it might come, it might not. It might be good, it might not. So... I'm thinking it's not so much about producing more stuff we don't need. Now it's it's time to be a bit more, a bit less selfish. I would say, a bit more responsible. Yeah. You know, you know, buy what what you need, uh, eat local, take a shower instead of a bat when you can. You know what? And this is it. And you've done your part. Yeah. And I, I think that's great. It's 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 one. It's a reminder which has come through before of small actions can have a big impact. But it's it's it's, it's when I take you know everything that you've said there and put it into a short sentence because I've just been writing this down. The time is now. Let's take action as individuals, recognizing that there is a collective team effort at play. Exactly. <clears throat> I think. I mean, it's it's. I'm. I'm I'm really, I'm, I'm really shocked when I see, you know, all the plastic pollution we've created. Mm. And and now what, what are we trying to do? Clean up the oceans and make, you know, sneakers out of them. Okay, that's, that's good. But what if we just consume, use less plastic? That would be even better. Stop the trend. I mean... The, the the economy as as it is is not sustainable. So we need to acknowledge the fact that we have one planet. The planet is not doing very well. The planet will do very well without us. We need the planet more than it needs us. And also the more the more the climate will change, the more, you know, migration because of lack of water, the more wars. So 
if all all it takes is just to use a little bit less plastic, be a little bit more responsible, I think we can all act. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for speaking to me today, Marla. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. If listening to the show has inspired you to find out more about nature-centred business, go to www.earthself.org and click on the Nature Centred tab. And as always, if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please get in touch. Next time on Sustainable, I'm speaking to Christophe Fauconnier, CEO of Innate Motion Group, about why we need to humanise business and the benefits of doing so. New episodes of Sustainable are released every Tuesday. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Get them sent straight to your inbox by signing up at www.earthself.org. Or come on over and join the conversation on our LinkedIn podcast page.